Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. The Holy Week that we're looking at is the, the time from Palm Sunday till Good Friday and Easter Sunday, which we will talk about on Sunday. But <clears throat> Jesus did a lot of things that week in Scripture, and we're going to look at a few of those. On Monday, after Palm Sunday, Jesus cursed the fig tree and cleansed the temple. Those are in Matthew 21 and Mark 11 for the cursing of the temple and well, Mark 11 and Luke 19, 45 through 48. And Tuesday for Jesus was a busy day. Jesus did the lesson of the withering fig tree in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. Challenge of Jesus' authority was on that day as well, Matthew 21 and Mark 11 and Luke 20. The parables of warning with Matthew 21, 28 through 22, 14, and Mark 12 and Luke 20. The debate with Jewish leaders happened on that day, Mark 22, Matthew 22, and Mark 12, Luke 20. The denunciation of the scribes and the Pharisees happened that day, Matthew 23, 1 through 39, Mark 12, and Luke 20. The discourse of the last things in Mark 24 and 20, Matthew 24, 25 and Mark 13, Luke 21 happened on that day. So a busy day for Jesus on that day. A lot of uh, things happened. Wednesday was pretty silent for Jesus, but that was the day the conspiracy uh, of the chief priests happened. That was in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 and Luke 22 as well as the flashbacks in Scripture, the anointing of Jesus, and the plot of Judas. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, uh, Luke 22, and John 11. Maundy Thursday happened. That was the Last Supper. And then Gethsemane, betrayal, the trial before the authorities. We're going to kind of briefly look at these tonight. Maundy Thursday, Matthew 26, if you're going to turn there with me. Matthew 26, because this is basically what, what would have happened last night if we were in the time of Jesus. 17 through 35. Matthew 26. Okay. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, the, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us to prepare for where will you have us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. 
The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When the evening came, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. They were very sorrowful, and each of them began to saying to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who has dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is, betray is betrayed. It will, be, it will have been good for him, for that man to have not have been born. Then Judas, who betrayed him, answered, Master, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. Now, I want to look at that for a moment because if you think about Jesus, and they know Jesus knows everything, and he says, the man who dips in with me will, is the one who betrays me, basically, is what he said. Now, Judas knows that this is what he's going to be doing. And, and now he's like, oh, man, now Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And so he, he basically points it out. Judas is going to be doing it. Why would Judas, you think about that for a moment, Judas said, Lord, is it I? He already knew it was, he was going to do it, and he knew Jesus knew he was going to do it. But if you think about that for a moment, Judas was kind of looking out for his own skin because if he would have, if he would have made it known that he was going to be doing it, they would have stopped him. The other disciples would have stopped him because... If he would have stood up and said, yep, you're right, I'm going to be the one to go do it, and took off running, the other, the other 11 would have chased him down and probably not let him do it and probably would have killed him. But he said, is it I? And he said, you've said it. He said, as, the, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave to, it, to the disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body, then he took the cup after he had given thanks and gave it to them and sang, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my body of the new covenant, blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, I think about the times when I've been in the situation, well, one time I was in a situation where we did the Last Supper, portrayed the Last Supper. And, yeah, it was a strange situation to be in the first time I was in a, real, a church service since I was like nine years old, and it was a tr strange situation. But it makes you think a little bit when you're confronted with that reality that this is what kind of maybe what happened. And it makes you wonder about what they were thinking, what was going on there, what Jesus was teaching about throughout that dinner. It doesn't say anything about that except for the breaking of bread and passing around of 
above the cup. And then it talks about Peter's denial. But there was more conversation than that. And so you wonder, makes me think anyway, I'm this kind of person, but it makes you wonder, what did they talk about? Were they talking about their day? Were they talking about their week? Were they talking about, was Jesus instructing about what was going to happen, what was coming? Makes you kind of wonder. Was there any questions about what Jesus said to Judas? You have said it. Was there any questions about that? Was there disorder in the ranks kind of thing? We don't know. It doesn't say that. Then he said to them, all of you will fall away on account of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go before you to Galilee. Now here's Peter, you know. Peter is, uh, we used to call him, um, I don't remember what the word was, but he was presumptuous and he was boisterous and he says, Peter says, though all men will fall away on account of you, yet I never will fall away. Kind of boastful. How many times have we been like that? In any situation. Oh, I can do it. I'm not gonna. You know, we used to play this game when I was a kid. It was called, it was after Thanksgiving, it was called puke. And what we would do is we would take everything left over in the bowls and we would put a little bit of everything into a cup. We would mix it. Gravy, mashed potatoes, turkey, whatever. And then we would draw cards. Whoever got the low card had to take a drink, right? Well, everybody's like, oh, I can do it, I can handle it, until it came to their point, until it came to their turn, right? So Peter's saying, well, I can, I'm never going to fall away. I'll follow you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter, presumptuous Peter, I think is what we called him when I was a new believer, he was boastful in that saying because when he was confronted with the idea of, oh my goodness, they're really going to kill him, I don't want to be a part of that, when asked, when told, you're with him. You were one of his disciples. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I don't even know the man. Three times he did that. Three times. And then he says, Peter said to him, though I should die with you, yet I will not deny you. And all, shall, all the disciples spoke in this, in this manner. They tend to forget who they're talking to. Jesus Christ, the one who was there from the beginning, who was present at the writing of the law of Moses, who was present at the, at the foreseeing of the future and, and the prophecies. It wasn't a prophecy for Jesus. It was something that he experienced. It was a memory for him. So all these things that they're deny, he's saying you're going to deny me, He's already lived it in his mind. He's already lived it. He's already seen it, so he knows. 
And when he said they would scatter, he foresaw it or he'd already lived it. It was a memory for him. He didn't really live it, but he had experienced it in his foretelling. So it was like a memory. So he saw them scatter. He saw them deny. He saw them go in opposite directions. I find this interesting because this is a total different situation of what happened at the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came. In this instance, they scattered at the possibility of being murdered or martyred, but then at the chapter 2 in the book of Acts, they were, they were not scattered. They were together. And then when confronted after that infilling, they didn't scatter. They stayed together and they ministered and they, and they preached and they did those things. So the difference in mindset, a difference in boldness due to the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray close by. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Wait here and keep watch with me. He went a little farther, and, and falling on his face, he prayed, O Father, if it, is, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Now let's look at this for a moment. The difference in mindset of the, the apostles they were saying, we will never deny you. And they couldn't stay awake. We read down later. They could not stay awake for Jesus to pray. I think it was for an hour. They fell asleep. He said, watch and pray. That's a lesson for us. Watch and pray. Why? Because we in today's society... We, are, we fall asleep spiritually. We're so desensitized with things, we are falling asleep spiritually. Watch and pray. Look at things going on. Read the scripture. Then he, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So could you not keep watch with me one hour? Have we ever prayed for an hour? I don't very often, but I have. I'm not going to say I do it all the time because I don't, but I have. And it's hard because what happens when you're sitting there and you're praying and you're not focused? You begin to think about other things, you know? You pray about something and it jogs a memory so you think about that or you think about what you've got to do and you lose focus 
and then you begin to walk away or spiritually fall asleep, right? So he's saying to them, couldn't you watch and pray with me for an hour? Couldn't you not focus for an hour on what's about to happen? He's, tell, he's told them up to this point what's going to happen. They didn't believe him. And, they, and this shows in their fact that they're falling asleep. He says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. He saw the heart. They wanted to do that. They wanted to be, but they, they just, their flesh was weak. They just weren't into it. They wanted to be, but they weren't into it. He went away a second time and prayed, O oh, Father, if this cup cannot be pass away from me unless I drink it, you will be it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, let us be going. Look, he who, who, he be, who betrays me is at hand. So he went over there, he woke him up. He said, could you, watch, could you not watch me for an hour? Woke him up. He walked away, they fell back asleep. So many times we do that in our lives. Take time to pray and we pray and we say, God, I'm going to get a closer relationship with you. Great time that that happens is January 1st. Everybody says, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to diet. I'm going to lose weight. Or, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to try to save more money. Or, oh, I'm going to try to be a better person this year. Oh, I'm going to read the scripture every night. Oh, I'm going to pray more. How often does that really happen? <clears throat> I, in my own life, struggle. I'll be completely transparent with you tonight. Is that all right? We do the YouVersion Bible app, and we are seven days behind. Why are we seven days behind? Well, life happens, right? I don't like to be that way, but life happens. You know, kids don't want to go to bed on time, and it gets to be nine o'clock, and there's school in the morning, and, you know, they want to watch a movie or something, and I'm not diligent enough to say, turn it off, we got to do devotions all the time. So, I too am not perfect at this. So, I too have been sluggish in my spirit. I have fallen asleep. We're all subject to it. Life happens. And that's a perspective thing. Where is Jesus in our lives? Where's Jesus in my life? Is he first or is he second? Is he third or is he last? Where is he at? Verse 47, he says, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him was a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who, who betrayed him had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I shall kiss is the man, seize him. 
he immediately came to, to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Immediately one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew the, his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now we know that was Peter, and the servant of the high priest was Malchus. And what does Jesus do? Does he stand by and go, yeah, get him, Peter? No. Even in the type of even in the time of betrayal, Jesus has compassion on those who are hurting him. And he heals that man's ear. Because of his compassion. We need compassion in our lives. We need to be shown compassion and we need to show compassion. We're not perfect at it. I am not perfect at it one bit. But I will tell you that compassion is a very good thing to have. I was watching a video yesterday um, I don't remember the man's name, but he's really, really good. He's a motivational speaker, business. He's a business motivational speaker for people that run businesses. And he says there's a difference between being a boss and not having empathy and having empathy. And he gives this, gives this um, analogy of a person walks into your office, you're the boss, and you notice that their numbers are down. And so you tell that person in, in object lesson number one, your numbers are down and they've been down for the last quarter and if you can't get those numbers to go up, the future, your future with this company is uncertain. So he, he said to this, he said, so how motivated would you be to get your numbers up in reality? He said compassion would say the same scenario. The guy walks in and his numbers are down, have been down for the last quarter. And the same boss, instead of saying your numbers must come up or your future with the company is uncertain, says to the man, your numbers are down. What's going on? How can I help? Is there anything I can do? That's compassion. Jesus had compassion on Malchus. He had compassion on the Roman soldiers at the time of his crucifixion. And we must, just as we're, he is our example we are to be like him, have the mind of Christ. You know, we always say that. Let's have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? There's a lot of things that Jesus did in Scripture that's portrayed that give us an indication of where his mind, where his mind is. He was full of love, compassion. He was full of 
of uh, righteousness. His thoughts were, were right. His thoughts were, were, were righteous. His thoughts were holy. That's why it says in the Old Testament, I am holy, therefore ye be holy. Because that's the mind of Jesus. Jesus showed compassion on the woman who was caught in adultery. She had, they had every right, according to the law, to stone that woman. And Jesus could have said, yep, that's the law. But he had compassion. And she did not get stoned. So where is compassion in our lives? Jesus then is then taken before the Sanhedrin and then they didn't like that so then he was taken before Pilate and he was then eventually crucified. Peter denied him. It says in verse, thir verse 69, Now Peter sat down outside the courtyard, and a girl came to him, saying, You, are, you, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Then when he went out onto the porch, another girl saw him and said to those who were, were there, this man also, this man was also with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied with an oath. Do not know, I do not know the man. <clears throat> he denied with an oath. That's basically, he said a cuss word. That's basically what that was. Why would you do that? Well, if you want to be not people not realizing who you are, you want to be completely opposite of who you are. So if you're a Christian and you don't want people to realize you are, are walking with Jesus or whatever, you're going to do whatever you need to do to make, you, make yourself look like you're not. Totally opposite of who you are. And that's what Peter did. He said a swear word. He denied Jesus. And then he said, after, those, after a while, those who stood came to Peter and said, surely you are also, the, also one of them. For your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and he swore, I do not know the man then immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus had that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Then he went out and wept bitterly. And Jesus goes before Pilate. When the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders and the people who took, who took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, when they had bound him, they led him to away and handed him over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. What I like 
important here about what Jesus does. Jesus has compassion. He told Peter he would deny him three times. Peter said, oh, no, I won't. He does it and he remembers and he weeps bitterly. What does Jesus do? Does he say, I told you so? But we know later on after his resurrection, Jesus is cooking dinner for them out on the shore. And he questions Peter. Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks him. Which is to invoke that, um, to invoke the truth after a betrayal. Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? Three times. And of course, Peter reaffirms that love for him and he is restored back to being an apostle. And then we go down to the death of Jesus. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he was condemned, he repented and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed an innocent blood. They said, what is it to be to us? You must see, see to that. So he threw down the pieces of silver in, in the temple and, he, and departed and went and hanged himself. You see the difference here? If Judas would have went to Jesus, he too would have been restored. If Judas would have just went to Jesus, he would have been restored. This is a very important analogy for us to remember. When we sin against Jesus, we must go to Jesus. Judas hung himself. He died. When we do not repent, we slowly spiritually die. We slowly spiritually die in our sin. Pretty soon things get desensitized. We don't think about things. We do things and say things that are just seem to be second nature, but yet we die spiritually. But if we would just go to Jesus, he would restore us to himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because this is the price of blood. So they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field, bought with them, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what, then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. <clears throat> they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of that the sons of Israel to set on him and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appoint, uh, 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 appointed me. They knew they couldn't put that money in there. They, they too were sinning and if they would have realized who Jesus was and went to Jesus, they too would have been forgiven. 
Then Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, You have said so. Now he doesn't say, Yes, I am. He says, You have said so. There's a difference. There's a difference. He's not proclaiming to be. He just said, You have said so. <clears throat> when he was accused by the chief priests, the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he never answered him a word, so that, one, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now the feast, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the people a prisoner whom they chose. They had, them, they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over out of envy. So remember what I said Sunday. These were the same people that were putting down palm branches and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Now, they're pronouncing him, crucify him. When he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much today in a dream on account of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and kill Jesus. <clears throat> the governor answered, Which is the two of you, which of the two of you want me to release Jesus? Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They said to him, Let him be crucified. These are the same people that Jesus didn't do what he wanted them to do, or that, he wanted they, that they wanted him to do. Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why? I have no evil. He, he has not done any evil. But they cried out more, all the more, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could no, not pre prevail, but rather that unrest was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I, have, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. See to it yourselves. Then all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But when he had scourged Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Now the soldiers mock him. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the, into the praetorium and gathered the whole detachment of soldiers before him. They stripped him and put, him, put a scarlet robe on him. And when they wove a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a staff in his right hand. They knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spit on him and took the staff and hit him in the head after they had mocked him and took the robe off him, put his own garments on him, 
and led him away to be crucified or crucify him. <clears throat> he was being made fun of. He suffered and he died and he did all these things. He let all this happen. The amazing thing that just amazes me about the whole thing is that Jesus could have at any time put an end to it. He didn't have to go through that. He didn't. He didn't have to let them hit him on the head with the thorn, thorns on there. You know what, when, they, when it says they, they, they put the thorns on his head, you know what they did? They didn't just put it on his head. They took and they jammed it on his head to where it was digging into his skull. And then when they hit him on the head, they hit him in the thorn, crown, to make it worse. He didn't have to endure that, but he did. Why? Some might say, why? Because we know that he can call a legion of angels to his aid at any time. 10,000 angels at any time. Why didn't he do that? Because of us, because of you, because of me. He knew me then. He knows us now and he knew us then. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. The man they compelled to bear his cross. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with, with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. When they crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. They put on, they put him, they put his accusation over his head, which said, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then the two thieves were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. Those who passed by insulted him, wag, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Mockingly. If you can build, destroy the temple and, and re, re, rebuild it in three days, save yourself. He was not talking about the temple temple. He was talking about himself. What does it say about our bodies? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what it says about us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I will destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. He is going to let himself die and he will rise again in three days. That's was what he was saying. <clears throat> if you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. Likewise, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. If he is the king of, of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Boloni. He was giving them every opportunity to believe him. And they didn't. If he came down off that cross and they said, we would believe him, 
They would just be getting their bellies filled, if it makes sense. They wouldn't be um, following him for their own righteousness sake. They would be following him for what he could do for them. He, trust, he, he trusted in God, let him, deliver him, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Even the thieves who were crucified with him insulted him in the same way. Now the sixth hour, uh, now, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, <clears throat> lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a very interesting thing because God, even though Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus had put sin upon himself. And God and sin cannot abide. The Bible says of heaven that nothing unclean shall go over there. God and sin cannot abide. And Jesus was sin for us. And because he was sin for us, God could not look at him. He turned his face from his son because of the sin that was there. Some of those who stood there heard it and said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, took a sponge filled with wine and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, released his spirit. <clears throat> at, the same, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the ground shook and the rocks split apart. The graves also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had died were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. That would have been an amazing sight. They should have believed then. I tell you what, those those teachers of the law and the high priests and all that, they, should, they better, better believe then. Just the fact that the curtain was torn in two, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom says a lot. But not only that, people were resurrected. They better believe I don't know if it changed any minds. Maybe some. We know it changed the mind of the centurion. When the centurion and those with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they feared greatly and said, truly, he was the son of God. Many women who were, were watching from afar followed Jesus from Galilee, seeing him serving him, among whom was Mary Magdalene 
and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. <clears throat> so think about that for a moment. Let's just, let's just, these last, these like 12 hours, let's just go through that briefly for a moment. They're sitting down having dinner. Jesus, of course, knows what's going on, going to happen. He then says, one of you will betray me. They say, oh, it's not me, it's not me. And then, oh, is it me? Yeah, well, you've said it. He gets arrested. Gets taken all over the place. It's crucified. And all of these things that he's been telling them for three and a half years are taking place right here in this moment. All of those things. Just the fact that people were raised from the dead at the death, at the dead at death of him, should make you pause a little. Should, make, should have made them, could you imagine seeing that? That would make me pause a little. What the heck just happened? That would make me pause. It says, when the evening came, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which had been cut out of a rock. And he rolled a large stone at, to the door of the tomb and departed. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. See, so everything about Jesus was purity even down to his burial. They didn't just throw him in a hole. They just didn't, you know, put him in a tomb with somebody else. He was in a new tomb, a pure tomb, one that was not defiled or one that was not dirty. He was not at all unrighteous. And the events of this account Show us that. It says the next day, following the day of, the, of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember, and that deceiver saying, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and tell the people, he has risen from the dead. <clears throat> the last deception will be the worst than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go away, go your way. Make it as secure, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and posting the guard. So again, this action right here says that they knew who he was. They knew who he was. It wasn't about the disciples stealing his body away. 
Do you know how hard it would have been to roll that stone away? They knew who he was. I saw a documentary of how they would have done that. You know how they would have done that? They would have had the tomb and they would have had a groove in there and the groove would have went downhill into a U. And, and the, 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 the opening would have been in the middle of that U. So to roll that however they, and, 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 and they said it was like a ton, like 2,000 pound rock or more, could anybody really push that uphill? 12 people? 15 people push that uphill? Probably not. But they knew who he was. They were guarding that tomb not for the possibility that the disciples would steal him away. They were guarding that, that tomb because they knew he was something more. My golly, they just witnessed people raising from the dead because he died. So that had to say something. And that guard, we'll read about this Sunday, but that guard was a witness to that. I've got a, I've got a couple of movies at home that I watch around Easter time, and we'll probably watch them with the kids on Sunday, watch one of them anyway. One's called Resurrection, the other one's called Risen. You ever seen Risen? Risen is really good. If you've, if you've got an opportunity to watch it, you should watch it. It's a really good show, really good movie. But understand that they knew who he was by now. I mean, duh, you know? And all of this shenanigans and rigmarole was just them acknowledging who he was under the guise of let's, let's post a guard, let's do that. They knew, they knew all the miraculous things that happened for three and a half years came to fruition at the crucifixion and will come to fruition at the resurrection. And that's one thing I always say about the resurrection. Every promise that's in this book is wrought by because of the resurrection. Everything, you know, I always say, I always say in here that if we would have any problem with anything, we could look in here and there's an answer to every problem we have. Right? That's because of the resurrection. He is the only one who's ever done that. That's why this book is alive and real and, and, and helpful. Because he's the only one that's ever done that. Did Buddha do that? No. Did Confucius do that? No. Did any other ones do that? No. Did Jesus do that? Yep. That's why this book is timeless and it's living. That's why when you read scriptures and you could read one scripture and it means one thing one day and maybe a two years down the road you read the same one, it's something different because it's living 
and it's moving. It says it's sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting to the bone in the marrow, because it's living. And every promise we have is wrought out of this resurrection. Jesus died. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. But he did. So many things he could have done differently. And you know what, you know what baffles me is the idea that not only did he know he was going to die, but he knew, what, he knew what it was going to feel like. And yet he did it anyway. Why do you think he sweat droplets as of like of sweat like blood? Because he knew the pain. He knew what was going to happen, how it was going to feel. He knew that. And when he was away in Gethsemane and he was by himself, he could have took off and went somewhere else. They were sleeping. What would they know? But he didn't. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what it was going to feel like. He knew how it was going to be. And he did it anyway. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Amen? So from, tomorrow, from tonight to Sunday, I'm going to reflect on this. And I challenge you to reflect on this. How our lives are better because of it. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for all the things you've done for us, even enduring the cross and enduring the beatings and enduring all of those things. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, for being our sacrifice. And we ask that you would help us to be what you need us to be. Minister to us, Lord. Give us strength. Uplift us, Lord, in your strength and not our own. Lord, help us to reflect Help us to gain, gain a greater understanding of you through the scriptures. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.